With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Try the new fragrance DC10 Sport 100ml by Dan Carter. Exclusive to Chemist Warehouse for just $49.99. This is the House of Aths. Yeah, that is us wherever you might be right around the SEN radio network. Hello to you. All thanks to Chemist Warehouse, where you head right now and try the new fragrance, DC 10 Sport 100ml by Dan Carter. Exclusive to Chemist Warehouse for just $49.99. And we're jam-packed. Cedric Dubler is about to join us. Ten events over two days. I get exhausted just thinking about it. I also get exhausted about how many third-person situations this man will find himself in. I don't even know what to call him anymore. We used to know him as John <laughs> Stephenson, but I it's, it's up to him. Hello, John. What's going on with it, Cameron? Yeah, yes, it's your boy, Johnny Blaze. I'm out here. But look, look, hey, Cam, uh, let me tell you something. Hit me. What um, you got? The time has come. Go We've on. been talking about this for weeks. Yeah. We've been talking about it for days. Yep. I jump, I jump on a plane in less yes. than 24 hours to head to the beautiful country of Hungary and the beautiful city of Budapest, where it will be hosting the World Championships mm-hmm. of Athletics, Cameron. We're going to see our finest Australian athletes take on the world and also the world's best take on one another. And I cannot wait. And I'm hoping to be broadcasting live from there, yes. Cameron, bringing you all action, live in living colour. Um, and, 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 and I think... It's going to be a wonderful world championship. I'm looking forward to previewing a little bit of that with you today, along with chatting to the great Cedric Dubler, who I think has has a great opportunity and a great chance on finally getting that elusive medal in the decathlon. So, um, yeah, happy days. I'm very excited, Cameron. Um, And also, I I always say, gamble responsibly. The tote came out for the world championships. It was quite interesting, Cameron. Well, hang on. Has been been looking very keenly. (laughs) Hang on. Before you get into that, we might save that for the third seg. I do want to ask you, I do want to ask you, because you go to these major events. We spoke last year. You're in Oregon at the world titles. You've been to Olympic Games since you've retired. And, of course, you've got friends and, and, and training partners and all the rest of it who may not be competing as much as they were a decade or so ago. But you are a hardcore – this is what I think a lot of people miss. You are a hardcore athletics fan. You you don't have a work – you don't have a work spot over there, do you? No, I don't. No, no, no I do. I shouldn't say that. Oh, no. oh, hang on. I, 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 I don't think I work, Cameron. I mean, that's the word on the street. No. The stuff just floats around. So, no, no, um, no, no. I'll go there. I'll go there and kiss some babies and shake some hands, okay. mate. Uh, but you are no, a, you're no, a hardcore no. athletics fan, which I think does get missed. You are there because you love the sport and you love seeing the greatest athletes in the world compete. Yeah, I think I surrendered to it in the sense of, look, I love, I just love sport, Cameron. Mm-hmm. I think we all do on the show. I think everyone at SEN loves sport. I think sure. our listeners love sport. And uh, when it comes to going to major championships with the best take on the best, I think it's hard not to get excited. We saw the World Cup soccer in Australia, in Australia captivated our country because we saw the very best women in the world play the beautiful game, yes. the world game of football. And 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 we love the, we love the spirit of competition. So um, when it, I, I surrendered to the fact, Cameron, I did it for such a long time. 
track and field. Um, it's always great going back to a, a major championships. You get to see athletes both past and present. Um, and, and for me, I work in a capacity with Athletics Australia still to this day. So um, there's a lot of things behind the scenes which we try and shape the sport commercially, which I'm involved in and um, and allows me to go there and actually you know see people face to face and at the same time also stay in contact with the sport. Because when you're making the decisions for the sport or you're involved in the sport, I think it's important that you're not making decisions based on what happened five years ago. Sure. That you're there in the trend is seeing what's going on so you have a very educated opinion point of view and especially also doing the radio show right you can't have me sitting on the show talking about what happened 10 years ago and mm-hmm. then using my opinion of what i thought happened 10 years ago to now so it's great going and seeing what the young athletes go through right now today um because i'm telling you now the sport's ever evolving and we, we talk about the spikes you know most radio shows and the the evolution of the equipment so um if you're not there seeing it Talking to the athletes, talking to athletes past and present, um, I think it doesn't really – I don't think it puts you in good stead when you're doing stuff like radio shows or working still in the sport. So, yeah, I do love it, Cam. Good. It was my life for such a long period of time. I'm looking forward to World Champs. We do need to get somebody on to talk spikes once it's all said and done. So we'll get to that in a couple of weeks' time. And I am going to issue you a challenge. There we go. So hang on a second before you start issuing challenges. Yeah, you know, on. when the Steph gave you a bit of homework, it's yeah, been six weeks. Well, like, do you know? Like, do we, you just hand in your report when you want to hand it in your your final assessment? Like, it's funny. Oh, I'll, I'll get. It's Steph, funny you, you know? say that because you gave me the homework to give you the give me the top four give for me to give people the top four world championship long jumpers in the men's side of it, and I actually gave it last week when I was interviewing Brooke uh, Brooke, uh, Brooke Bushkill. Uh, and you were nowhere to be seen, so you missed it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, just, I just love how convenient that is. First, you had you had you had the new strain of COVID what three weeks ago, and you couldn't make the show. Oh, man. Tell you what, <laughs> you, had the, you apparently had the new strain. You reckon you were, you were in trouble? I was and all of a sudden, trouble. you did your homework with Brooke just, just because conveniently she's a long jumper. I tell you what, I will yeah, give man. it out before this show is done. But your challenge. <laughs> is you need to, somebody who wins a gold medal, it doesn't have to be an Australian athlete, although it would be preferable, somebody who wins a gold medal at these world championships has to feature on this show within three weeks of winning said gold medal. Fair? That's kid stuff for me, to be okay. honest with you, Cameron. Yeah. And, and, Should and, be hard then. And I'll... I was actually looking forward to going to World Champions and chasing down your great mate, Carl Lewis, and making sure he gets on the show because so, I know how much of a big fan you are. His work, so I, Kevin. So. I'll tell you what, so. I grew. I couldn't sleep on Tuesday night. I grew up, of course, wanting uh, to be an Olympian, and the only thing that really stopped me was ability. But the fact that, you know, being an athletics fan like or athletics, little athletics, late 80s, early 90s, all about Carl Lewis, and then I watched the ESPN doco again. It's been out for 15 or so years around – uh, 1988 sold. It is called 9.79 with a, a little asterisk. And I just thought, you know what? Carl's a fan not of a fan. himself. No, I'm a fan. Oh, you're not happy, you're not happy with his work? I was just like, oh, hold on. The Carl Lewis I loved when I was 10, uh, probably is a little bit he's older. He's not the guy you see now. No, oh, not, no. In this, not in this particular documentary, which isn't always fair because, you know, there's editors and all the rest of it. But I was like, ah. Uh, I don't know if Carl Lewis and I would get on as well as possible. I've told you about the time that Ben Johnson and I really sort of came into verbal. Hit it off. No, absolutely not hit it off. Absolutely not. And I stand by it. I don't want to waste everyone with my stories, but let me just point this out. Andrew Gaze, the captain of Australia, did nothing to help me when I challenged Ben Johnson on steroid use at the Olympic Games. Gazy just pushed his seat back. The captain of Australia. Yeah. But, yeah, so my Carl Lewis view is 
based on he felt that he was almighty. And I'm just not 100% certain that would be the right way to go about it. Uh, we do digress, though. Let's talk Budapest on the other side of this. Cedric Dubler. In fact, you know what? Cedric's ready to go. So we'll get to Cedric. Then we'll talk Budapest. Predictions from Johnny Steph, Johnny Blaze, Jay Steph, Steph, whatever he's calling himself. And we'll get to all that and plenty more next. Try the new fragrance DC10 Sport 100ml by Dan Carter. Exclusive to Chemist Warehouse for just $49.99. This is the House of Aths. All thanks to Chemist Warehouse. Head into Chemist Warehouse for great savings every day. And make sure, Jay Steph, that you always smelling your best. You can try the new fragrance of DC10 Sport 100ml by Dan Carter. It's exclusive to Chemist Warehouse for just $49.99. Now we are only a couple of days away from Budapest in the World Championships firing on up. And as you know, as always, Jay Steph, and for people who listen to us right across the SCN network each and every Thursday, we only get the creme de la creme. The best athletes who have either done something huge already or about to. And it's fair to say our next guest ticks both of those boxes, Johnny Steph. Yes, he sure does, Cameron. And are you going to introduce him or You mine? do it, man. You're, you're, you're ex- I haven't seen you this excited before. I love <laughs> yeah, it. I love he's it. the man. <laughs> I like to refer to him as Cedric the Entertainer because when he performs, it, people it's like Gladiator, right? Are you not entertained? You know what I mean? People remember my man at the Tokyo Olympics inspiring another yes. Australian to a bronze medal. In fact, Cam, this is something you would not know. I hold camps around the world mm-hmm. for young athletes that I that we try to inspire to become, you know, pro athletes. And I actually use that moment that another athlete about high performance inspiring and also high performance leadership and the leadership Cedric showed. And I'd like to introduce Cedric Dubler. Mate, love to have you on the show. Uh, talk to us, man. So it's very, very close to the world championships in Budapest. You must be fired up. Where are you right now? I So I'm sitting in a park in France. Uh, just <laughs> enjoyed some croissants for breakfast because uh, our, our morning breakfasts have just been a little bit plain. So I thought I'd get out this morning. Was was planning to get back to the accommodation to to get online for you guys, but I missed my tram, so I'm I'm just sitting in a park um, with a bit of a lookout <laughs> over Montpellier. <laughs> yeah. Look, it's this, a this tough is life camp. This is it's not, a tough life. This camp. is not what Very we want. Life. We're talking gold medals and world championships, and our main <laughs> man is lost in France after eating a pastry. <laughs> I'm concerned, Cedric. But uh, hey, how's it all been? Like any time, and 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 you've been here at these major championships before many a time but how is it for this one how do you feel you know I, I it's a bit of a weird one I, I feel confident um I feel like I'm ready to go the body and and all the injuries and niggles that usually come along with decaf aren't present at the moment I'm not sure where they are so um you know training's been really good really consistent for the last few months and and weirdly enough you know, there's not too much chatter in my mind. I feel like past majors, mm. like because there's been all these like, you know, injury and niggles and stuff, it, you know, my mind has been very active, but I'm just, I'm feeling calm, collected and and ready to go out there. So do you think it's fair for me to say, I think you're, you're an unbelievable talent. Um, you know, you shot up on the scene and, and you've really been our, our really first true uh, decathlete hope. I think my, it's my time I've been involved in the sport for Australia. And I think only injury has limited your ability to to win those major medals. Do you feel like Budapest coming into now that, it, that it's, it's a lot more open than what it's normally been in decathlon and you see yourself now sort of up the pointy end and sort of shooting for a medal come Budapest? 
Well, this is a tough one uh, when it comes to decathlon because currently in the world there is so much talent. You know, even when we look to Australia, we've got Ash Maloney, the the Olympic bronze medalist. We've got Dan Golubovic who's come through, even though he's a bit of an old man. Um, and so, you know, there's and and even when you look to some of the European countries, there's so much raw talent coming through the the younger um, ages that it's it's hard to mm. predict what's going to happen. Um, the decathlon is a very long event there's a lot of variables there is a lot that almost needs to go your way so so it's hard to know what's going to happen but you have to be in it to win it right and yeah, yeah and yeah. when we when we get around to it you know it's it's whoever puts themselves in in the right position places themselves well um because you know i remember world championships a few years ago i was uh, i was sitting at the pole vault and within a few years Lyndon victor fouled out of the discus kevin mayer uh, was in my pool of the pole vault and he uh, ran through and pole vault and suddenly I shot up two places. So yeah, um, yeah, yeah. You, you never know what's going to happen. And I think for me, it's all about just going in, ticking one box at a time, one event at a time, nailing those performances that I know I'm capable of, and then just kind of seeing where we end up and how crazy we need to go in the 1500. And for those listeners, we're talking to the great Cedric Dubler, mm. decathlete for Australia. And for those that don't know the decathlon, it's 10 events. Uh, and I'll let Cedric go through the 10 events. Um, and it's broken over two days. Uh, and, and essentially, uh, I, I think it's it's one of the hardest disciplines because you're you're essentially trying to run personal best for 10 events or jump or or throw personal best over 10 events. Cedric, which day do you feel is your strong day um, for you? Is it day one or is it day two? Do you feel um, that you need to sort of get your points early in day one or do you, or do you sort of go, you know, I just chip away at it slowly and just try and stay consistent? For me, it's all about getting off to a good start. So the 100 and long jump are usually pretty good uh, result performances for me um, and that kind of shoots me up and then shot put drops me back down and then over the the last two events of day one which is the high jump on the 400 I kind of claw my way back up and uh, at the end of day one that that is kind of you know it's it's a it's a slow grind on day two I've got some good events in the hurdles and the pole vault uh, but then the discus and the javelin um, aren't as strong as some of the other decathletes. So it's all about just trying to maximize those those points on day two. Uh, but day one is definitely my my stronger day. And if I can get off to a, a really good start and and get out there, then then we're looking good. Hey, how does training work for you, Cedric? Do you, do you focus on the, 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 the weaker events that you just alluded to there? Do you focus on the, the, the events you can maximize your points when it comes to your strengths? How, how do you work out a training plan based on, because it's, it's a, and a majority of people listening will know this, but it's a points-based situation and it's all based on how far you throw or how fast you run or how, how long you jump. So do you, do you focus more on the strong, the, the strong events for you or, or the weaker ones to try and balance it up? Well, for me, it comes down to what stage of the season we're in. Uh, the start of the season, obviously, it'll be building the, the foundation for the fitness and the strength to kind of carry us through. Um, the last few years, we we have focused on the throws a lot and just trying to bring them up to a good standard. And now I'm really happy with where my discus is at. Uh, I had a fantastic shot put session the other day. Um, but but this season, we've we've tried to go back to focusing a little bit more on my stronger events and really double downing on those and seeing if we can pull pull ahead of of everyone else um mm. and so that's really just focusing on the high jump and the long jump and 
I'd love to get closer to that eight meter mark in long jump. It's a mark that I've been eyeing off since, well, I guess since World Juniors in 2014. So it's been it's been a little while coming, and um, and I'd like to definitely knock that off, you know, in the next uh, 12 months or so. So um, it it really depends. It's all about bang for buck and where you can get the most amount of points for the least amount of time, but also you know how you can maximize across the 10 events. Cedric, I've got a question for you. I saw this really interesting um, uh, meme clip on Instagram doing my stalking. Oh, no. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. And uh, uh, there was a CrossFit athlete, and he said he was told by his coach they did an event uh, one day. As people know, CrossFit, there's multiple events at CrossFit Championships, and they he ended up coming 10th or 12th, and the coach sat down and said, look, we need to make your weaknesses stronger. So he went back in the offseason, and he, he just completely focused on his weaknesses. He then went to the next championships, and what was his strengths became his weaknesses because they spent so much time worrying about their weaknesses in the previous comp. And then he decided, mm-hmm. he said, you know what? I actually came to a point where I decided to make my strengths even stronger and just, yep. just decided that as I make them stronger, my weaknesses will get better as I, you know, proceed to learn the discipline or the events or, or, or as I evolve and, you know, mature in my sport. Is that, this is a question now for you. Would that principle apply to you? Have you had moments in your career where you had to look at a certain event the same way or approach your decathlon the same way? Very much so. Um, I think I think it's all about balance, and I think every athlete is is a little bit different. But you know, it's even if you focus on your strengths and you try and build those, it's not like we're not training for the other events. So I'm still doing, <laughs> you know, a shot put, discus, javelin <laughs> session. I'm still I'm still running my body into the ground every week, um, and so so naturally those events will still keep improving. And and I guess that's kind of the mentality that we've taken over the last 12 months is is that I've I've really I can pull a I can pull ahead um in the in the jumping events. And so that's what we've kind of focused on doing and and the you know the throws will they'll land where they land. Um but if I can pull far enough ahead in the other events then at the end of the day we're going to end up end up better. 1,500 metres to, to, to finish two days just feels cruel and it feels even crueler when we're sitting in the stand <laughs> watching it. But Cam, it is hopeless, Cam. I'm telling you, I had a few decathlon mates <laughs> and that 1,500 absolutely oh. rattles their cage, mate. Especially the bigger decathletes, yeah. man. <laughs> Which one? Which one's the fifteen hundred? Is that that three and three quarter lap warm down at the end? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's the one. That uh, one, mate. Yeah. <laughs> two two party here. Like when you're going into and you're in a major championship in particular, you're fully aware of what you kind of need to do and what other people need to do to be able to go up or down the rankings depending on uh, what is happening in the race. So when you're trying to run and you're trying to do your thing over fifteen hundred meters, are you also trying to keep an eye on what is going on around you and how how hard is that? Oh, it's the most painful thing. Mm. It, it's, uh, you know, the <laughs> amount of times I've cried before a 1500 because I'm just that exhausted and I just, I just want it to be over and done with. But um, yeah, definitely. Like we, we usually know what's going on around us. That's the first time in the competition that I start paying attention to where everyone's at and, and if I can pick up some spots. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember at the world championships last year in Eugene, I was sitting in, I believe it was 10th before the 1500 and I just had to beat, I had to beat one of the athletes who had a slower PB than me and then another guy by about four seconds. And so, you know, I, I didn't go out and race him. I still kind of stuck to my plan because that's the best way I can 
kind of maximize my time in the 1500. Um, but, but I definitely was keeping track of where he was and he was with me for the first kind of six or 800 meters. And then I just tried to put in a little surge to break him a bit. And, um, and so, yeah, it does, it does come down to that. I ended up racing him, beating him and, and jumping up to, to that eighth place, which was really nice. Uh, but it's, you know, it's much better if you're, if you're Kevin Mayo and you're that far in front or Damien <laughs> Warner and, and you've got the, the lead and the win in sight and you can just kind of cruise home. That's yeah. uh, that's the better way of doing the decaf. Cedric, uh, you mentioned those two names, uh, Damien, sorry, Cam, Damien. Right. And I, I'm interested to know this, Damien and Kevin uh, Mayo. And for those that know, don't know the decath- uh, decathlon well, the, these are two um, of the top tier decathletes in the world along with Cedric. Um how do you think they're going this year? Do you, I mean, it was, it was, I was actually shocked last year um, watching Damien. I, I didn't think in the 400 he would uh, he would fall injury like that. Um, do you, are, are they still your main competitors come Budapest? And, and, and talk dirty with us, mate. What, what's what's going to happen for Cedric? What's going to happen to Cedric in Budapest? What do we look out for? What are your goals? We don't we don't hold punches you on this show, uh, Cedric. So we, 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 want, we want the raw and cut version, mate. <laughs> All right. Well, look, Damien's Damien's an incredible athlete, and he's uh, he's actually a good friend. And I was really surprised when he hurt himself in the at the World Championships last year because he's he's put years and years and years together of of injury free training, and that's that's how he's gotten to the level that he has. Um, in terms of the shape he's in currently, he did a decath in Gotsis like uh, earlier this season. Performed pretty well, but I'm sure he's looking to step it up in Budapest. Uh, and in terms of Kevin, he's a little bit more secretive. I saw him, he actually trains in Montpellier. So I saw him the other day doing some high jump and javelin and he's he looks like he's in shape. So, you know, those are the guys to beat at, at these championships. Um, you know, in terms of what I'm expecting, you know, someone asked me the other day, "Am I? what am I looking forward to? Or am I looking for, or, or what, what can I expect to PB from? And for me, I'm more looking to to just replicate what I do in training every day, not, not aiming to go out mm. there and do something I've never done before. Um, because that, that can come from the environment and, and come from the atmosphere. But for me, I just want to be really solid across the board because that is, that's how I, I did my last PB in the decath. I was solid across the board. I got one PB in the 400, uh, which was, which was very painful. Uh, and, and I'm in shape to do those sort of marks again. So if I can do that, I can put myself in that position to uh, to get a pretty good placing, I reckon. Johnny Steph alluded Cam, what, Cam, what, did, what, did, what did he get out of that, Cam? I got out of that. He's Damien's confident. finished. Yeah. Damien's finished. <laughs> yeah. Kevin's looking okay. Yeah. But my man Cedric, he reckons he's doing good stuff in training. He's ready. Yeah. And he just has to replicate training. Yeah. And we're seeing medals. That's yeah. what I got out of we, it, Cam. That, I don't you know. know what, we're on <laughs> this trend, right? I did. I did. I think I came 18th at my first World Champs, 11th at my second, 8th yes. at my third. Mm-hmm. Yes. This is my fourth, and it's the best my best shape my body's been in. So, ah, you know, I'm okay. I'm just I'm taking that as confidence. I'm on the yeah. upwards trend. The body's good. It's ready to go. Obviously, I can't control mm-hmm. what anyone else does, but I reckon my my overall score is going to be the best it has been. Love it. I'm loving this dirty talk, Cam. Yeah, so do I. So do I. <laughs> now, uh, said, uh, Johnny Steph alluded to it, of course, uh, in Tokyo, 1,500 metres. Ash Maloney right there on the uh, on the cusp of bronze and, and the wonderful act and the wonderful motivation that you did 
while you spoke about it before, about all the other things you have to worry about over 1,500 metres, you added that to it. Were you, were you surprised with the reaction it got and how the whole nation loved it as much as they did on the back of it? When, when you're in the moment, did you have any idea of what would uh, come on the back of it once Ash got that bronze? And, and then the, the congratulations, you continued to get in pats on the back as you should have. Were you surprised by all of that? Yeah, I I was... I don't know. I didn't really know how to react to it. Like obviously Ash, he put in the performances, he put himself in that position. And, and I, I think my help was, was so little in the grand scheme of things, the amount that he had to do during the competition to get that bronze. Um, so I think I got a little bit too much recognition when it comes to, um, I guess his medal, but it was, it was really nice for me to, to be able to help Ash. You know, he was, uh, my training partner at the time, and we had put hours and hours of training in. And for you know, for all the support that that I gave him, he also gave back during those sessions. So we really like helped each other get to the start line in Tokyo. And and it was it was a weird one. Like you know, in Tokyo there was there was no crowd. Obviously, we had the team there. I forgot that there were cameras around. And and you know, even where when I started yelling at him, it's it's kind of when we we start running away from all the cameras. So I, I didn't think anyone was really watching. And, you know, I, I, I think Ash definitely deserves a little bit more recognition than, than, than what he got out of Tokyo. Like he, uh, he was 21 at the time and mm. he, he, he did something that no Australian has ever done at an Olympic games. And, and I think he's, he's kind of the future of, of the event. So I think I, I got a little bit too much recognition. I think Ash deserves a lot more, and I'm just excited to see what, what he can do as mm. well because he, uh, you know, he's still young. I'm getting old. I'm almost, I'm 28 years <laughs> You're old. You're warming I'm, up, man. You know, Come on, I'm man. almost You're warming up. up I, but, I, um, I, I do just, just, just on that and, and Johnny, Steph, you know, there are times on this particular show where I put my hand up and apologize or something yeah. is sort of, you know, I, 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 will, I was hosting a TV show, a little franchise called The Armchair Experts. We did it for Channel 7 during Tokyo and I opened my show after this by suggesting that you should carry the closing ceremony flag, Cedric. So I apologise. <laughs> One, I don't I absolutely stand by my my reasoning and my thinking behind it at the time, but I do apologise if it grew into something bigger on the back of those chatters, which I didn't mean it to be. But I, I believe it, it what was, you did. It, it what was you all did you. was amazing. It was I, all you. I, you I, <laughs> I actually sometimes think... Geez, did I really start this whole thing? And uh, now I'm feeling bad. But you should—I I get your, your your Ash Maloney thoughts on it. But I also understand what you did, or what I believe what you did was was remarkable, and what for uh, us very non-athletes, armchair experts who sit in the stands, what we believe the Olympic Games are about. And I think you through and through showed that in in a really tough moment. When you're running 1,500 meters after mm. two days, you put someone ahead of you, and that doesn't happen a great deal in pro sports, mate. Yeah, and I I also do think it resonated back home because I think at the time about seventy percent of Australia was in lockdown. Obviously, yeah. we were going yeah, through COVID. Definitely. There was a lot of isolation. Mm. There was a lot of separation between everyone. A lot of people well that just like probably needed support and and weren't quite getting it at mm. the time. And and so I think that's that's why the whole moment resonated so much with people. Um, and it just kind of speaks to the Australian culture that that we you know, need to be there for our mates and we need to support them. And, and so, you know, it's, it's uh, the messaging is, is awesome when it comes mm. to that moment. But, uh, but yeah, you know, I, I think I just got, 
I just got so much recognition for it. And, and all I was doing was just kind of helping a mate achieve a lifetime goal. And, and to me, it didn't really come as much of a sacrifice because I failed out of the pole vault. I was pr- pushed pretty much back into last place. And, um, and, you know, my goal became just finishing what I started, finishing the decathlon no matter what. And, uh, and I did that as well. Yeah, just on that, that is probably a unique way to look at the decathlon due to the fact that once someone is done, traditionally they'll pull the pin, right? Yeah. Well, I guess the, you know, it's not an untold story, but the, the story that is less known is I actually tore my hamstring 18 days before the Olympics. Mm. So I, I had a grade two tear with tendon involvement. Um, it took me wow. four, sorry, five days to start walking normally again. I mean, how uh, did I was you given do that, Cedric? Days. Cedric, I, I don't know. You've got to run 100. You've got to do the hurdles. You've got to long jump. You've got to do the 400. I mean, people that don't understand, you know, track and field or sprinting, let me give you a tip. Um, when you do a grade two hamstring tear, you barely can get out of bed without hobbling. Uh, and yeah, how, how what, how, I haven't heard I, this I, story. Well, look, I'm not sure. Cause I spoke to Bruce McAvaney a few days later and I said like, if, if I make it to the start line, I'll probably twinge it in the first event, which is the hundred. And then I'll, I'll come in and I'll probably tear it off the bone in the long jump. Like that's, that's the reality of the situation. Um, you know, grade two hamstring tear takes at least four to six weeks to recover from and easily I had 18 days. So, um, you know, and I had to prove my fitness on the, on the 12th day as well. I had to hit 95% of my max velocity over, over 30 meter, like a 30 meter fly to even get on the flight to Tokyo. And so we put, we put, we, we threw the kitchen sink at it up in cans. We were, we were, you know, doing all these exercises. We're trying to be patient, but we're trying to push it at the same time. I thought every single step I took, I thought I was going to tear my hamstring in training. <laughs> um, but somehow we pulled off this like miraculous recovery and we got to the start line. And and so for me, that was like, you know, we had almost done the impossible then. And mm. and I, I never expected that I'd make it to the finish. So even after I tore, uh, even after I fouled out in pole vault, I still I still wanted to make it to the finish. I still wanted to finish what I started. So just on and that, the- has, it, has it made Sorry, you mentally can't. tougher? Like when you go into something like that in cans in, in pre-camp and then get to the Olympics and have that in the back of your mind, do you, do you think it's mentally toughened you? You're already mentally extremely tough, clearly. But the fact is, do you think it's helped your mental aspect side of sport based on what you're able to get through? I think it's given me confidence in what my body can actually achieve yeah. and, and how yeah. I can recover. But, you know, those those few weeks in cans were probably the longest – weeks of my life because as the whole Australian team was was lightening off and they were you know they were tapering they were feeling good I was putting in like 14 hour days just oh. to get to the start line and yeah. I remember I remember you know we didn't we didn't really lighten anything off till we got on the flight to Tokyo um, because we just we couldn't take our foot off the gas and uh, and I remember getting on the flight just being kind of a little bit overwhelmed by everything that had happened but absolutely it's given me confidence that you know the body. The body is incredible, and if you give it the right tools to recover, uh, and if you if you play the game, and if you are smart about how you do things, then then you can achieve incredible things. I will say this to you, Cameron. Um, uh, this is the beauty of our sport, and this is the beauty of having this this radio show. Because I think you know when you you near football and AFL and, and NRL, and they talk about someone has a, a grade one hamstring tear, a grade two, and they see him playing in three weeks, they're able to perform at eighty percent, Cameron. I'm, I'm not 
discrediting that it's still not tough to get fit and be back on the field. And it's great to hear Cedric explain mm, to the public, absolutely. essentially, because you don't really get to understand when you see a, a track and field athlete perform, they don't perform to their best. If you understood what a grade two hamstring tear is, if you just understood the pain, this, the, 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 the doubt that would have been in Cedric's mind to perform at 95% of his best before he even gets on the track in Tokyo, uh, and to have the confidence to do that and knowing that he's going to make this choice of tearing his hamstring off the bone in order to make Olympic Games, it's it's truly phenomenal. And it's a story that sponsors, um, other sports people have need to hear on sort of how really intense it is to be a track and field athlete. And I love that Cedric got to be quite raw with us and quite open because I did not know this story about Cedric. I knew he was hurt, but I didn't know he was a grade two hamstring tear. And um, and kudos to you, Cedric. I think it, it makes your story even more uh, uh, more sweeter when you start talking about Tokyo. Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate that. I actually cramped in my hamstring, took a month off work a couple of years ago, Cedric, so you can sort of tell the difference between me and you. Uh, before we do let you go, you, you mentioned off the top you're in Paris. How does the next sort of couple of days, next week sort of sit for you, mate? How, how When do you get into into Village? And Are you an, are you an athletics like hardcore fan? Do you go and watch uh, other athletes compete or are you just simply about what you're going to do? How does it all work for you for the next seven or so days? So next seven or so, I don't even know what day it is. I think it's, is it Thursday, Wednesday? It's Thursday. Uh, it's th you're a little behind us, Thursday. but you are Thursday. Yes. Okay. So it's Thursday morning for me. Um, <laughs> so I've actually, hey, I've hey, actually hey, hold on a second. <laughs> you're lost in French. Yeah. You don't know what day it is. <laughs> yeah. mate, give, hey. give us some confidence hey, here, mate. Hey, mate. And he's got confidence. Wait, is there in a competition his... <laughs> next week? <laughs> he's got confidence in his hamstring and his body. That's all we need. As long as his so coach gets in there when it starts, so his coach needs to know the particulars. Uh, how does it look, brother? <laughs> <laughs> um yeah it's, it's it's pretty cruisy over the over the next week for me um today's complete day off tomorrow is like my last race modeling session so just making sure you know my body's feeling good my pacing for the 400s on i think i've got a few more technical events uh some of them i might leave till i get to budapest uh but saturday is the day that i i fly into budapest and and we kind of get settled into the hotel and we meet up with the rest of the team over there um I I will be watching and I will be supporting, but I try not to watch too much before I compete. I think it just kind of psychs me out a little bit, gets me gets me a little bit nervous. I, I really wish I was day one and two of the competitions mm. so that I could go out to the track and actually be there and, and support everyone in person. But I think uh, before I compete, I'll do one trip out to you know the actual stadium and I'll just sit in there for a little bit and take it in and kind of get an idea of in discus what I'm going to be spotting and, and how it's all going to be feeling. Um, but apart from that, it's it's really just kind of head down, make sure that, that my final few preparations go exactly as planned and, uh, and make sure we're ready to go come comp time. And then in a little less than 12 months, you'll be back in Paris for uh, another Olympic Games. That's it. Yeah. And, and the thing this year is like, I think I'm getting a little bit too old to take a break, like take a break at the end of the season. So last year after the World Champs and the Com Games, doing a back-to-back -back decaf, mm. I think they were 11 days apart. I was, I was pretty exhausted and I took, took like three or three and a half weeks off and it, was just, it just took way too long to get back into things this year. So, so this year I'm taking a week off, getting straight back into training. Um, obviously the intensity will drop off again, but uh, I just want to keep things rolling um, so that we can use this as a stepping stone for next year because that's... Uh, that's the big showdown, isn't it? 
It is. Hey, uh, when I got told we're going to have a chat to you today, I was very excited because we haven't had a chance to sit down and discuss a couple of those things on and off the track and everything. But uh, I knew that it would be a pleasure. And I, uh, I I speak for Johnny Steph right now that it absolutely lived up to it, mate. So we appreciate your time and Definitely. what is a busy time. Good luck next uh, next week and so the, the two days and the 10 events. And we'll talk before Paris uh, in a little less than 12 months' time. Keep Lovely. Thanks for having me, guys. Superstar. Give him hell, mate. All thanks well to Kevin's What warehouse. a superstar. He is. Plenty more on the other side of this. Try the new fragrance DC10 Sport 100ml by Dan Carter. Exclusive to Chemist Warehouse for just $49.99. This is the House of Aths. Steph in the house. If you want to have a listen back to the Cedric Dubler interview we just had, make sure you podcast it via all the SEN socials. You can jump on, check it all out, wherever you might be in your local market. We do it all thanks to Chemist Warehouse for great savings every day. And because Cedric gave us 28 minutes of the best, we're short on time, Johnny Steph. So I'm just going to start with this. Mm. Who are you most looking forward to seeing in Budapest? Who are you most excited about being able to see do their thing? Oh, look, uh, uh, that's a difficult question, Cam. I'm really excited to see the world's best take on one another. I'm not trying to sit in the fence. I really am. I think Budapest is going to be – I saw the stadium the other day. I actually saw a fly-through um, for those that um, – jump on my social media, you'll see I posted on stories, I fly through the, all the facilities in the track and it just looks phenomenal. Mm-hmm. And that's exciting, man. That's really cool. As far as athletes' performances, I think Sharika Jackson in the sprints has the opportunity to become the sprint queen of the world. If she wins the one and two and doubles up, I think she's going to have a lot of, she's going to have a tough time with Gabby Thomas in the 200, depending on how, how she gets through the 100. Um, I think Faith Kipiagon is going to obviously be a standout in the women's uh, distance events in the 1500 and 5K. And I'm interested in seeing how Jakob Ingebrigtsen competes and also do planters, whether he can go and win, you know, another world championships and do what he did in, in Oregon, breaking the world record. There's just, you know, wherever you look, whether it's field, whether it's, whether it's, whether it's track, um, you're going to, you're going to be captivated by performances across the board. So uh, I'm really looking forward to, I'm looking forward to catching up with athletes past when I'm there and, and, and trying to, uh, you know, you know, have, good conversation and try and get them on the show. And, and uh, I think that'll be really cool and interesting. And I just think it's a wonderful time for athletics. It's a great time before Paris next year. And uh, I'm looking forward to being there. Now, traditionally major championships aren't full of world records, right? Cause it's all about just making sure you win second or third, whatever it might be at times are irrelevant. Now sprinting obviously is a little slightly different beast at different times, but more in the track events where we've seen the longer distance events, we have seen Hot, hot times, mm. right? Hot, hot times. Mm. Do you, from mm. what you've seen this year and this particular season, do you expect that to be a little bit different into this major championship? Because we are seeing very fast races, very fast. Well, I'll put some, I'll put some context on that for Cam. Mm-hmm. The reason why you don't see world records is because athletes actually have to run rounds, right? And when you run, yep. when normally you break a world record, it's a one day classic, one day event. You yep. can sort of go out, you can sort of, taper and plan everything to go as hard as you can for one time, one time event. So when you get to champion, not this, yes, it's just about, it's about winning and competing, but you got to run a heat semi and final. That takes a bit out of the body, both from your nervous system, as well as physically uh, your, your muscular and skeletal system. So um, that's the main reason why you won't see records broken, but there are events like when you look at the pole vault and like, i think can happen depending on what shape these women are. And I know Steve Francis, who is Sharika Jackson's coach, did not care about the Diamond Leagues. He had her training the morning of races. His sole focus is for Sharika to be the queen of the sprinting events 
come World Championships. I would love to see Gabby Thomas, who will be patiently waiting for Sharika to be done with 100. She's going to be fresh, Gabby Thomas, from America, waiting for Sharika to come in the 200, where Sharika is the current world champion in Oregon last year. And I hope that they race each other to a 200-meter world record, which can happen. It just depends on how Sharika pulls up after the 100, and it depends on what shape Gabby has become post her national championship. So I think that's one event we can see something spectacular. I don't know about the distance of We're talking, hang on, just we're talking nearly 30 years since Flo Jo has had hold of those yeah. world records. Yeah, it's real. 88, 87. We are, we are, I, 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 we are talking I tell you an event that's, that, that's really flopped for me that I think we're not going to see extremely, and that's the men's hundred. Uh, I, I went through it yesterday. I had mm-hmm. a look and, 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 and I, and I, and I, I I'm leaning towards Zarnell Hughes. I've seen him mess up championship races many a times where he should win. I'm hoping he's matured. I, I think he's the athlete that I think can win. I don't know what Fred Curley's been doing. I, I don't know what his injury status and his body status is at the moment. Um, And I just don't, I could not see anyone else in there that, that really captivated me, you know. I tried, um, I tried to tell you so, three months ago. I'm telling you, Curly won't win the hundred. He will not. Uh, win and, and, and you know what? And, mm. and 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 I'm leaning, and I'm agreeing with you. Welcome, welcome, say, on the welcome. To, I have to say, you're Nostradamus. You picked this very early. Well, I've got to wait. And, till I, and, he may still win it. We're still a couple of days <laughs> out, but no. Look, yeah. look. I think Fred's a competitor, and I think his 400 meter strength always helps him at the championships yeah. and getting through the rounds, right? And that's what I'm worried with Zarnell. Um, but you know, as a whole, I, I think that that's one event for me. I think the men's 400 meters, which is my 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 love, my my pet event when I was running, I think it's going to be interesting between Stephen Gardner and um and Van, Wade Van Nierkirk, who's the current world record holder. Michael Norman, we see that he pulled out this week. Um, I always I told you this on the show when he when he decided to run the hundred meters I just I just didn't think that was a great move he shifted to John Smith who's my ex coach mm-hmm. and and that takes time when you make a shift in an event shift I I don't think it was very smart um and he did try to make a comeback because he's a defending champion so you got an automatic wild card into the world championships but he obviously realized that he just wasn't in any shape to run the quarter mile because his specific training you need to do to run the four hundred so um I think I think the four hundred is going to be one in forty three six. And I don't know if Wade has that sort of firepower just yet to run that. I think Stephen Garner ran 43.7 about 10 days ago. I think he can run 43.5 to win the event. So my money's on Stephen Garner from the Bahamas. Um, And I think that's going to be an interesting event. I think the women's 400 is a bit of a letdown. Um, I'd love to have seen Sydney McLaughlin take on Paulino from from Dominican Republic. Um, And and, and I think the young girl from Bahrain, Syed Nasser, I think she she was hurt three weeks ago, four weeks ago. but she would have been a woman that I thought could do well. And there's a young Polish girl, I think her name's Kaz Kazarek, Kazarek, I think her name is. Don't don't quote me on this. Um, she's run 49 seconds um just recently. And I think she'll be young and fired up to be able to compete and maybe throw a spanner in the works. So look across the board and you look anywhere at any event, um, it's it's red hot. Uh, Cam and and the men's even the men's shot put. I mean, my boy Joe Kovacs, um, you know, uh, Crowsher. Uh, I mean, these. Yeah, I mean, world records galore, man. We're going to see some good events, man. Come world championships, um, and yeah, I'm I'm excited. It, as everyone else is, we'll get to a break. Wrap it all up. All thanks to Kimmer's Warehouse now. Try the new fragrance DC10 Sport 100ml by Dan Carter. Exclusive to Chemist Warehouse for just $49.99. This is the House of Aths. It is. We're almost out of here. World Championships will be in full swing this time 
next week. We did all thanks to Chemist Warehouse, where you can try the new fragrance, DC 10 Sport, 100 mil by Dan Carter, exclusive to Chemist Warehouse for just forty nine ninety nine. Now, you want my long jumpers in order or not? Oh, please, if you could do that for me, Cameron, I'll be highly appreciated. We're out of time, so I'll do it next week. But uh, <laughs> how many medals? How many medals do you think the Australians win? Give me a give me a number. Oh, uh, I'm going to say Australia wins a minimum of three medals. Yeah. Uh, and 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 I'm going to be bullish here and saying that if we win four medals, it is an outstanding effort. I'm going to say four. The line is four and a half. I think there'll be a couple of big surprises based on the season we've had. Got to get out of here. Have a safe flight to Budapest, man. We'll check in this time next week. Thank you, my brother. Look forward to it.